0: I'm sitting here in Studio B, sitting across from my good friend, Daniel Chacon. And I'm sitting across from my good friend, Benjamin Alida Sainz. And welcome to another edition of Words on a Wire. This
1: week, we have on our show, El Paso native and current New Yorker, Sergio Troncoso, who just co-edited a book with Sarah Cortez called Our Lost Border, Essays on Life Amid the Narco-Violence. And we're going to talk to him about that and... Uh, and also
0: catch up on him. He's been a he's been a guest on our show before. Yes, he has. And our poem of the week comes to us from Cheryl Luna, who is also from El Paso. Yes, and I will be reading
1: that poem. It's a lovely poem from her lovely new book called Seven. And on Poetic License today we have El Paso native Paul Pedrosa, who was a former student of ours, he got his bachelor's degree right here at University of Texas El Paso in creative writing. He was a creative writing major, and he is a contributor to this book that Troncoso and Cortez uh, edited. He's going to talk a little bit about life on the border. So it's an all El Paso show. It's going to be great. So stay tuned. So Ben, Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe is probably among your most successful books and you just found out that it's going to be translated and marketed in
0: Poland. Yes, it is. That must be very exciting. It is exciting. It's but they they changed the title to Different Rules. Lata. I thought it was in a Lazy Summer. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know Polish, so. I know a
1: little bit of Polish. I I hung out in Warsaw. I learned how to say cold water and wine which is pretty much all I needed in Poland (laughs) but uh, yeah I don't know what it says either but it, it looks like it's in a I'm looking at the cover right now and when Ben showed me the cover he didn't like it it's a picture of this very handsome young man with his shirt undone he looks very like a model like a Calvin Klein model and then in the background you see another young man And his hands are up behind his head, and he's kind of blurry. And it looks like they're standing in a wheat field, because, you know, we have a lot of wheat fields here in El Paso. (laughs) But you don't like this cover, huh?
0: I don't, because I think it's sexualized. And I wrote a book about love, not about sex. I think, well, you know,
1: I've asked some people. I posted it on Facebook, and some people seem to like it. They think it's very touching and beautiful, and um, other people... Don't like it as much, but uh,
0: hey, at least you're going to be in Polish. You know what I think is really interesting? Because, you know, several of my novels have been translated. I always th- find it interesting how they never keep the American cover. No. Yeah. You know, only once did, for The House of Forgetting, the French version did keep it. La Maison de l'Oblie. Mm-hmm. and they did keep the original cover but that's very rare yeah it is it it's it is. they always change the cover and they always um and it's very interesting the germans and the dutch don't like representation they 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 like something more abstract yes they like abstract covers mm-hmm. which is find very interesting but um i'm curious to see how what the italians do with it I'm interested to see what the Turkish cover looks like, the Italian cover looks like, and the German cover looks like, because I think they'll all be very, very different. And it's very interesting to me how that, too, is a translation.
1: So all these all these countries are going to translate your book, uh, Aristotle and Dante, Discover the Secrets of the Universe. Yes. Well, you know what? I don't feel sorry for you for not liking the cover, Ben. That's an awesome, awesome opportunity. Um, this is um, week three of Living with Ben. I've been staying with Ben because uh, I'm kind of in between homes right now. I'm I'm about to move out, but this is week three living and with Daniel Ben. And Daniel is a great roommate. You know, and it's actually, you know, at first I think maybe we were both a little, uh, you know, nervous about how it would be, but it actually turns out very well. And Buddy, your dog, who is the cutest dog in the world except for Kafka, seems to really like uh, having two people around because when you're not there, I can let him out and he runs around and he's he's crazy. But remember we were talking about broccoli the other day?
0: Yes, we were. <laughs>
1: Well, I cooked broccoli again the other night, and you weren't around, and I was I was chopping it up. And Kafka, my dog, who is uh, staying with a friend of mine right now, he loves broccoli. I mean, I'll give him little pieces of broccoli, and he'll just chew on them and then ask for more. He loves it. But I gave a piece to Buddy, and Buddy grabbed it and ran over to the other side of the, the kitchen to start munching on it, and he bit into it, and that was it. And he dropped it from his mouth and looked up at me and go, What are you trying to give me?
0: What is this? That's my son, buddy. (laughs) Yeah, well, I have to say, last night when you had broccoli, I tried it. I eat a lot of broccoli, don't I? Yes, you
1: do. And and you did try it. This time I stir-fried it with salt and pepper. mm -hmm. If you could see Ben's face when he bit into that broccoli, yeah, it wasn't
0: wasn't pretty. I managed to gulp it down. And then tell us about your dream, Ben. What did you dream? I dreamed... I was living in a house that smelled of broccoli.
1: (laughs) He's going to be glad when I'm gone. Anyway, we have a great show for you. Uh, Sergio Troncoso is going to talk about his new um, anthology that he edited with Sarah Cortez
0: called Our Lost Border. So stay tuned for another edition of Words on a Wire. Sergio Troncoso, a native El Pasoan, is the author of Crossing Borders, Personal Essays. He's also the author of From This Wicked Patch of Dust, The Nature of Truth, and The Last Tortillas and Other Stories, which won the Premio Azlan and the Southwest Book Award. He received his undergraduate degree from Harvard College and two graduate degrees in international relations and philosophy from Yale University. He won a Fulbright scholarship to Mexico and was inducted into the Hispanic Scholarship Fund's Alumni Hall of Fame. A resident faculty member of the Yale Writers' Conference, he lives and works in New York City. Welcome to our show,
2: Sergio. Thank you, Benjamín.
0: Sergio, let's talk about your uh, fantastic anthology. You've been getting
1: great reviews, Our Lost Border, Essays on Life Amid the Narco-Violence, which you um, co-edited with Sarah Cortez. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful book. Tell us how this came about.
2: Well, it's, uh, it was a long time coming. I mean, we I, I had had uh, no relationship with Arte Público before, you know, before this kind of idea came about in my head. And I was talking to Sarah Cortez. She had put me in some other of her uh, young adult anthology and, and hit list which are previous anthologies of, of, of this one and and we were having lunch in denver and she had taken another one of my stories and i said you know what you should do is an anthology on how this binational bicultural existence along the border has changed so radically because of the violence that started in 2008 and and I knew this life, and I still know this life because I had family on both sides of the border. I crossed back and forth along the border, and that was how I grew up in El Paso, and and how my family lived in El Paso. And uh, and so she came back to me and she said, "Let's do this anthology together." And I had not had a, had any kind of relationship with Arte Público back then, and so I said, "Okay." And then you know she pitched it to Arte Público, and Arte Público said. Let's do it. And then we started uh, sending notices to writers and, and, and getting people interested in the work. And, and one of the things that we wanted to do, which is very different in the anthology, is we wanted writers from both sides of the border, mm-hmm. from Mexicanos as well as Americanos. And and so I knew some people on the Mexican literary scene. Uh, one of my best friends is uh, Diego Osorno, who is a fantastic writer. Uh, narrative journalist in Mexico, and he's written about four or five books on the, on, on the narcotrafico. And, and, you know, he, he writes riveting, riveting things. He's reported from Libya. He's reported from Syria. He goes to the basically the most violent, crazy places, and he reports from those, from those places, and that's what he writes about. And so I knew him. Also Lolita Bosch, who's a fantastic Spanish uh, writer who lived in Mexico for about 10 years and who started this blog, which I thought was just phenomenal, called Nuestra Parente Rendición. It is probably the the principal blog in Mexico on reporting in non-official ways about the drug violence, what's happening in communities, what's happening in families, because often in, in newspapers in Mexico, if you reported on this, uh, you would get targeted. Your editors, your reporters would get killed or threatened. And so they stopped reporting on much of what was happening in, in different communities when they were attacked by, by this violence. And so anyway, she started this blog. It became a, uh, a huge deal, and it actually now uh, it, be- it became a book, several books, the blog is still going. She was invited to speak to Hillary Clinton and to the United Nations, Lolita Bosch, about you know her efforts to, to basically get the word out about what was happening in different communities in Mexico. And really, I think Lolita's idea was to create a, a civil society that has a voice about what's happening on the ground to these communities when they're uh, either under the control of narcotráfico or, or just suffering and, and uh, counting their dead. Uh, I mean, they, they have a part in the blog, and literally they've been counting dead for years, and, and my, much of it unreported. So, you know, I wanted her in this essay, in this collection of essays. And so I, I ended up translating her essay um, that she wrote for the piece, so I did, you know, I, I, I put in my own essay and, and brought in people that I thought were, were ha- have an important voice on on what was going on along the border and and in Mexico, not just along the border.
0: How long was the process from beginning to end?
2: I would say it was roughly about two two and a half years or so, from about 2010 when we had the initial idea and we talked, you know, over lunch with Sarah to when we started getting essays in the mail from people who wanted to contribute. you know some people we, we definitely put the word out and through through advertisements and through la blogga and, and many other in many other ways and some of them I sent emails directly to people I certainly wanted to have in the anthology and and some people said yes and then later things would come up. I believe I sent some emails to both of you,
1: yeah, some, some, some people begging compl- you
2: begging you to contribute, because I definitely wanted you guys in the anthology. Some people
1: completely forgot the deadline and saw the book on the shelves and go, hey, how come I'm not in there?
2: I remember, and I said, Daniel, oh, Daniel, I'm so mad at you because I sent you email after email begging you. But, you know, I understand some people, um, you know, for example, uh, Cecilia by who I think probably both of you know. Oh, yes. the journalist, yes, absolutely. Right, and she's a great writer, and I, and yes, I, I, I love her work. And so I, I definitely wanted her in, but she said, you know, I'm in the middle of, of, of XYZ. She was sort of in the middle of, of something she had to do. But she turned this on to an ex-student of hers, Maria Cigarroa, who wrote this wonderful piece on her grandmother's house that they had to give up when the cartel and the violence, you know, overtook the town where, where she lived. And so, and she, and she helped us, you know, even, even sort of shepherd, in many ways, Cigarro um, essay to the form it was, you know, when it appeared in the anthology. So, so I think, you know, you, you had people who I know, you know, that the things happen and, and you're, you're busy or other commitments, but then other people who would, who would certainly contribute in, in an indirect way. So, you know, a lot of people helped you get an anthology together.
0: You're so prolific. <laughs> You're so prolific.
2: Not as prolific as you guys. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I'm looking at everything begins and ends at the Kentucky Club, and I'm sure there are like three others coming up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know you've been. Well,
0: there's a couple coming up, yeah. but I'm still working on them.
2: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
0: what are you working on? Take now? a
2: break then. I, I'm
0: trying. I'm tr- <laughs> I am taking a break.
2: Oh, I'm, so I'm working on some um, some stories. In fact, I was just sending out some stories yesterday, I'm plotting another novel, working on another novel. But, you know, I, I, I'm always working on something. And, and I had sort of a little bit of a surprise. It's sort of, I'm, I'm not willing to give a lot of details. But, um, you know my, my novel, The Nature of Truth?
0: Mm-hmm. Yes.
2: Well, I rewrote it. Because I was never quite happy with it, and, oh. and another publisher once.
1: Nice, nice. So, nice. <laughs> somebody, I'm, I'm curious to know how you rework yeah. that.
2: Well, yeah. you know, it's it's really tightening and improving it. I was never satisfied, and maybe this is being a perfectionist. <laughs> but you know, I'm gonna. You know, when I, when I die, my work that's gonna be out there and And I wanted to I felt I had ways to improve it, and of course, I probably could rewrite every single thing I've ever written and published and, and try to improve it. But this one I felt I have very concrete things to do, and so I did them, and without having any prayer and and then I was able to to get all my rights from Northwestern University Press back. And, and I pitched it to another publisher, and they said, oh, yeah, we want it.
1: Nice, nice.
2: So <laughs> somebody said, you're going to get this book published twice? Um, and, yeah, so I think next year.
1: You know, sometimes I fantasize about going back to my first book and redoing it, adding stories, taking some out. That's a, what, that's a fantastic opportunity. Congratulations.
2: Yeah, well, you know, I mean, it's, it's what you leave on the page. That's what you leave behind. That's all that matters to me.
1: Uh, We're talking to Sergio uh, Troncoso, writer. Everybody knows him. He's got many, many books out. Uh, Most recently, this Wicked Patch of Dust. And um, your latest book is this anthology called Our Lost Border, Essays on Life Amid the Narco-Violence. And if anybody knows the border, any writer, even though you live in New York, and right now, as we're speaking, you're watching the Hudson and the Blue Sparkle, and it must be very beautiful. But even though you live in New York, you come to El Paso a lot. In the process of putting these essays together, did you learn anything new?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think one of the things I learned is how, in one in one sense, if you read, for example, Diego Osorno's pieces or Liliana Bloom's piece, who are Mexicanos, you know, Lilianos from Tamaulipas, how utterly violent and, and destructive it's been to so many communities, and yet how resilient. How people somehow, in whatever means they can, are fighting back to regain these communities, to report what they see, to I- improve—you know—the government that's often too corrupt and the police force too corrupt to to follow up on on what's on who's causing the violence, to to change things. And so, I, I think I learned, you know, just from from them that you know. N- n- Mexicanos are never going to give up, and certainly the decent ones, the ones that are not, you know, uh, involved in in the violence and who are just victims and and simply want to be in peace. Even if they're poor, they want to be in peace. They don't. They want to, you know, walk the kids to school, and they want, uh, you know, the police to, if there's matanzas of mujeres, you know, they want them prosecuted. They want them found out. They want. The government to do its job and so the resiliency of mexicanos i think for me was was just heartening but also what they have suffered through uh and not just mexicanos but certainly you know people on the other side of the of the border too but i think primarily mexicanos uh and what they've gone through in chihuahua uh just just startling
1: so uh speaking of next projects you have your uh, uh revision of the nature of truth yeah. And what else is in the works, uh, uh, literarily wise for uh, Sergio Troncoso?
2: Well, I mean, one of the things is I'm going to be back in El Paso on November 9th. I'm going to be, uh, I guess getting something called the Literary Legacy Award from the El Paso Community College.
1: Oh, nice. Ben and Ben got that a couple of years ago. You're in good company, me and Luis Urrea. <laughs> oh,
2: I love Luis. Awesome. Yeah. awesome. And you know, he, you know, they've been great to me, and and so they they wanted to invite me, and so November 9th. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be going down there and giving a talk and readings and all of that and I think reading at the El Paso Public Library and for me, you know, it's I've never left El Paso. I love El Paso and will always love El Paso and especially Isleta, you know, where I grew up. And I uh you know, it's it's that's why I write about it because it's brings so much meaning to me, and I miss it, you know, overlooking the Hudson, as everyone always says. <laughs> it sounds so sexy and, and whatever, uh, worldly, but I'm thinking about El Paso, as I'm looking yeah. at the Hudson.
1: And, and here you get to overlook the Rio Grande, Yeah. Even, well, though, even though it might be just a strip of water at times. <laughs> it nonetheless is beautiful.
2: Yeah, and then r- right after that, at literally the same week, I, I go from El Paso to Monterrey, because El Tecnológico de Monterrey invited me to give a talk on crossing borders, actually, the essay collection. And so I'm giving this big talk at uh, Tecnológico in Monterrey.
1: Will you be giving that talk in Spanish?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's I'm going to be giving Well, Well, they, they actually are using it in an English, in a group of students that are using it there for an English language program. But then the Q&A is going to be in Spanish, and I said, that's fine, I can do that. And, you know, so they're going to fly me in for a couple of days, so I'm, I'm doing the binational, bicultural thing. And then I'll be back in December for, uh, just for, for Christmas, you know, to visit mm-hmm. my folks. Trabajando como siempre.
0: Well, you are a super busy man, and we thank you for taking the time to talk to us here on Words on a Wire, Sergio. Can,
2: can I say a few words? Both of you, Benjamin Sainz and Daniel Chacon, you are in many ways people I look up to. I love your work. No, honestly, I'm not saying this because you guys put me on your radio program. (laughs) I'm saying it because He saw us roll our eyes, man. How did he do that? And in some ways, I feel a little celoso that you guys live in El Paso and are writers in El Paso because, um, you know, I wish I was there with you. Uh, I hope I'm there with you just through the telephone lines. But I admire both of your work tremendously, and uh, and I just wanted to say that because I mean it.
1: Thank you, Sergio. And we're very proud to be your colleagues. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And uh, anytime uh, you want to, uh, you know, switch apartments for I don't know a month or two, you know, I, I'm up for it.
2: Well, if you're going to take care of my cat, <laughs> then okay. Oh,
1: I love cats. All right, Sergio. Thank you so much for joining us for Words on a Wire. Check out his new book, Our Lost Border: Essays on Life Amid the Narco Violence, which he co-edited with Sarah Cortez.
2: Thank you very much. <laughs>
1: For the Poem of the Week, I am going to read a poem from Cheryl Luna's new book. It's a lovely book called Seven, and it's uh, published by Three, a Taos Press. And uh, this poem is the title poem, Seven. Martes a party, lunes a tide pulling you dark, miércoles a miracle, viernes sounding old, viejita her forlorn wisdom wanders like a ghost. Thursday full of thirst, Friday a pit roast, Sábado sexy, sombrero a Sabbath, Domingo as host. How many times should we forgive? Prime number, seven, times seven. Jacob's seven-year service to Rachel turned to love. Once seven spheres in space coiled heaven. Mercury is a hot burn close to the firelight. That's us. Venus holds a lusty lease on the sun. Who can forgive trespass, slick, feigned love? Mars, a red desert, and Saturn ringed in dust. Uranus, planet of philanthropy, prone to distrust. Moses, bewildered and naked, pale in the wilderness, heard the Alpha, the Omega burn. His synapses ablaze. In the beginning was the Word, the universe a wordless hum of dust and light. Cold emptiness, stars like lamps, named for mythical heroes. Orion, with his war shield, seen for centuries, clutching a sword. We learn to kill early and kill well. Wisdom's house built on seven columns, and there are seven deadly sins and seven virtues. It is said God formed everything in seven days, and our days and nights but a cast stone sparked. That was Seven, from the new book of poems called Seven by Cheryl Luna.
3: My name is Paul Perosa. I'm a writer, and I currently teach at New Mexico State University. I'm going to read a selection from an essay I wrote entitled The Bridge to an Alien Nation that was featured in the Our Lost Border anthology, Edited by Sarah Cortez and Sergio Troncoso. This essay is about my personal reflections on my relationship with the city of Juarez and how it changed once the drug cartel violence picked up in 2008. When I was a kid, every once in a while, my grandpa would fire up the old Ford Elite and take me along to a neighborhood grocery just beyond the river and the barbed wire crown fences. We would head through South El Paso and cross the bridge in mere minutes, and when we got there, I couldn't tell the difference between that neighborhood and the one we drove through to get there. But the drive from my grandparents' neighborhood was always memorable because of the way the surroundings would slowly grow older and more run down. As we got out of the car, he would share the rules of the visit. Don't get lost. Don't even leave my side. Don't touch anything unless I let you, and so on. It was my first experiences in a grocery so unlike the chain stores that we usually patronize. I had a different feel, something more improvised and organic. In the chain stores, I was always afraid to touch anything because the products were always stacked and sorted perfectly. If I did, I imagined I would cause trouble for the employees who had to come around and fix what I've done. This grocery, however, seemed to invite the customer to grab and smell and restack in creative ways almost as if every customer helped lend it this unique feel. It had different smells, less antiseptic soap, more of the natural musky aromas of fruit and vegetables, just beginning to override. There were flies, but no other bugs that I could see, and they didn't seem to bother anyone. So I made sure to learn to not let it bother me either. The people interested me more than the store. At those chain grocery stores, no one, not customer or employee, Acknowledged anyone else unless absolutely necessary. The food was the focus, and everything else was tuned out. Here was a crowd of friends, though, and the air buzzed with more than just the wings of flies. People chatted, haggled, and compared purchases. Some, upset at the cut the butcher handed over when compared with that of others, stormed back to the counter and demanded something better, often yelling at the top of their lungs. No one seemed genuinely angry, though. Their meat replaced. The customer fell into a pacified contentment, a vague smile on their lips as they headed to the checkout lanes. My grandpa spent more time saying hello and chatting than he did shopping. We'd leave with little more than a single bag half full, more often than not with a cut of meat my grandma would cook up for dinner that night. I wonder whether the meat department really could boast of the best tasting, most generous cuts in the area that could warrant such a trip, but I know that the charms of the place had a bit to do with it, despite my grandpa's frugal ways. My oldest memories of crossing over then are quite pleasant, friendly people, delicious natural food, etc. These, however, didn't come to mind as I walked over with George, and I wonder now why that is. What I figured out has a lot to do with not only the ill-defined sinister shadow that has become associated with the Mexican side of the border by the media and the horrendous stereotypes, but also the way in which the people of the region craft and sort these ideas themselves. The situation has only gotten worse since 2008 when drug-related violence, fights, and murder became a part of daily life. It's not only the responsibility of the media, the way we, the border dwellers, look out over what is and how we react to what we see are just as important in the creation of the cultural heritage that future generations will have to manage. I am Paul Pedrosa for Words on a Wire.
1: We'd like to thank our guest, Sergio Troncoso, for joining us on Words on a Wire. It's always fun to have Sergio. He's, he's, he's so articulate, and he's, he's a good guy, and uh, he's full of wisdom, especially that part about us being great writers. I think that was pretty wise. <laughs> thank you, Sergio. And we'd also like to thank uh, Paul Pedrosa. That was a lovely poetic license. And thanks, Cheryl Luna, for that lovely poem that she wrote. It was a pleasure to read. Make sure you join us each week on Words on a Wire here at KTEP 88.5 FM
0: at noon. I'm Daniel Chacon. And I'm Benjamin Alita-Signs for Words on a Wire. And remember, the next book you read could save your life.
4: I'm up on a tire wire. One side's ice and one is fire. It's a circus game with you and me up on a tire road One side's hate and one is hope But the top hat on my head is all you see And the wire seems to be up in the spotlight. Oh, does it feel right? Well, the altitude seems to get to me. I'm up on a tidy wire, flamed by life and the funeral pyre, putting on the show for you to see.